Even on. How does a book about black holes relate to yesterday's vote in the Senate to debate health care? Maybe because we'll never see it again. But no, seriously, I have a newfound appreciation for a clash of ideas ever since I read about a theoretical physicist named Leonard Susskind and his decades-long philosophical war with Stephen Hawking over black holes. Suskin explains the debate in his book, The Black Hole War, My Battle with Stephen Hawking to Make the World Safe for Quantum Mechanics. Now, before I dive into this book, which I know sounds really super interesting to everyone out there, I think it is important to give some background on the Senate vote yesterday, which was a vote to, and I'm going to have this in quotes, debate healthcare. Now, any casual observer would have thought the world was coming to an end and people would soon be dying in the streets by the disruption before the vote and the outcome of the vote. It was actually really crazy as I was watching it on TV. Uh, First of all, it is important to realize that the Senate has really so many stupid rules, and I really do mean that. The Senate makes up their own rules as to how the bills proceed through their body of legislation. The filibuster is so dumb, and it is so, so dumb that I really will not bore you, uh, you know, my handful of listeners to explain it. But a relevant fact is that the origin of the Senate was really to protect the interests of the states, originally, the U.S. Constitution. That's how it was set up. Therefore, state legislators really were the ones who would nominate someone to represent them in the Senate, their state interest. So this matters because the states did not want the federal government to pass bills that might make them take power away from the states and give it to the federal government or and or it would cost them more money, the states more money than what they their budgets were willing to spend. So technically, The states are responsible for the welfare of the people because they are the ones closest to them and would know their interests better than some bureaucrat who lives in Washington. The interests of the people in Texas are very different than the interests of the people in Iowa. We have different economies. Therefore, the states were seen as local to the people and their interests. This really changed with Woodrow Wilson who was tired of the archaic process of the Congress and how slow it moved. It bugged him, just like it bugs pretty much every president. But it was the plan of progressives to have senators be voted on by the population instead of the state. So, since 1913 and the 17th Amendment that was passed, we have a Senate that really looks after themselves to get reelected by the population and not looking after the interests of the states. That is why things like programs like Medicare and Medicaid passed in the 60s, as well as Obamacare in 2010. 
These measures never would have passed before because the Senate legislators know they cannot afford these bills, which is ever so apparent with the expansion of Medicaid under Obamacare. So part of the problem, unbeknownst to me until recently, with bringing a bill to vote comes from the pressure from Republican governors in states where they need the federal money to pay for Medicaid. Not only is that amazing to me, but it's also so hypocritical, but I've digressed. So this kind of brings me back to yesterday. Yesterday, the House Majority Leader called a vote to debate the bill not to vote on the bill. It really was just to debate it, to talk about it, and give people opportunities to add amendments or anything else. So even if the Senate was voting on a bill, let's just say they were, it is not the actual same bill that was passed in the House, which means that the bill would have to be passed by the House. So if the House changed anything, which is usually likely because it is a larger body of people, then that bill must go back to the Senate to be passed as is. So before you know, you click off this podcast, the point being, this bill is so far from being a law, it can be depressing to those who want health care to change. But as the Senate was calling for a vote to debate, there came a huge uproar from the room of protesters that began chanting, kill the bill. And then it evolved to shame, 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 over and over. The Senate waited while security escorted them out of the room. Remember, they are screaming, kill the bill on a vote to debate and shame on a vote to debate, nothing more. Then two historic things happened. One, John McCain, senator from Arizona, who was just diagnosed with brain cancer after undergoing eye surgery last week, had to get on a plane and travel a week earlier than the doctors wanted for him to vote to debate because it looked like two other Republican senators would vote no. Senator Mikowski from Alaska and Senator Collins from Maine two remote and sparsely populated states on opposite sides of the country. This means that 50 people said yes to debate and 50 people said no to debate. So every Democrat and two Republicans. So this leads to the second historic thing that happened. Vice President Pence had to get in a car and race over to the Capitol to cast a deciding vote as he is the president of the Senate. And that is like part of his responsibilities. So vice presidents have done this before in the past on a bill, but not really on a vote to debate. (laughs) So it's amazing that there were not at least 60 votes to debate. This shows you how bad governing has become over the last decade. They cannot even agree to debate an issue. So from The Black Hole War, the book I was talking about before, it is my belief that we need more what is called thought experiments that reveal these clashes in deeply held principles. This is one of the main points of Susskind's book that I find so fascinating and has really been on my mind a lot lately. 
So this black hole war came about when Leonard Susskind went to a lecture by Stephen Hawking back in the 1970s. And it was then that Hawking explained his new theory that was called Hawking radiation. This basically deals with quantum mechanics or, you know, the small particles that we cannot see. So the crowd, of course, was in awe, while Susskind was, like, terrified. Hawking radiation came in conflict with a deeply held principle of physics that is called the law of conservation of information. So just kind of really briefly, Hawking radiation said that these really small particles, when they collide with each other, as they do it near a black hole, they would separate and one particle would go into the black hole while the other one would bounce off into the universe. So if this is true, that doesn't sound like much to me, right, or you, um, or maybe it does to you because you have a better idea of physics than me. But basically what this would mean, though, the corollary of this, that it would be impossible, first of all, to even prove this to be true or not because we're nowhere near a black hole to even test it. But if it is true, it would throw the laws of physics into chaos because the corollary of Hawking radiation would mean that information can be destroyed. So namely that particle that kind of fell into the black hole. So the law of conservation of information of physics, which underlines the laws and rules of physics, says that information can be neither created nor destroyed, but changes form. And a lot of times these laws, then they use those laws to, to base their next theories on. They build on those laws. And if that law of information, that things can be created and destroyed, um, then that of course throws all these other theories into chaos. So, for example, particles that make up water is neither created or destroyed, but they just change form. So water to ice, or it evaporates to the clouds in the sky, you know, that sort of thing. And Susskind, he wasn't unnerved because of this clash of a deeply held principle, more than he was unnerved at how people just accepted the theory without thought or care to what it means. In fact, Susskind book explains that these thought experiments are really just necessary that produce positive results. So he likes these thought experiments. It happens all the time in physics. And is the reason why they are good is it, it because it does reveal this clash um, that really they didn't know was there before. This clash, it gives them this opportunities. Uh, to come up with a new solution. So when the clash of principles is revealed, um, it's not necessarily that it is this really awful thing that tears the physics apart, but it's one of those good things where they think, okay, uh, what are we not thinking about that we can figure out and can become new? He gives an example of Albert Einstein. He says that Albert Einstein was the greatest master of thought experiments. Einstein discovered a clash of principles between the principles of Newtonian physics called the principle of relativity and Maxwell's principle, the theory of light. I wish I could like explain this better and detail you, but <laughs> it's gotta be enough you know, for me to know that Einstein realized that both these principles really could not coexist without some change. 
So from his thought experiment, the general theory of relativity was born. His greatest masterpiece was born from a simple thought experiment about a conflict of principles. So Susskind goes on to reiterate, the greatest advances in physics have been uncovered by thought experiments that revealed a clash between deeply held principles. The present is no different from the past in this respect, as he's talking about this clash of principles with the black hole. Susskind saw this black hole was an opportunity to figure out what was real and what principles needed adjustments. He spent 30 years trying to figure out which he actually did, and Hawking conceded defeat in 2004. His thought experiment gave birth to a new black hole principle called the holographic principle. It is the idea that black holes are 2D representations of 3D objects. Thus, basically the idea is that it kept the law of conservation of information intact and it explained what would happen if particles, Hawking's radiation, would fall into the black hole. It created this hologram effect. I'm not really done reading this book, and this book definitely is over my head, but it reveals an important principle to me, that a clash of ideas of deeply held principles like healthcare is a good thing. When we have that clash, it is in those moments where we can think of a creative solution. I'm not sure solutions really happen in a closed door room with only some politicians involved, which really means lobbyists writing legislation. There is no need to be creative because there is no clash of ideas. I want to really finish this idea with one example, and it comes from James Madison during the Constitutional Convention when they were trying to form a new government um, and create a bigger federal government, a central government, which terrified the states. So James Madison really had a gift for compromise and making things work. Madison knew that for the U.S. Constitution to be successful, he needed 100% of the states to sign off on it. Therefore, this kind of led to many compromises. There was one problem in particular that proved difficult to overcome. The states feared a federal government would be more powerful than the states and they would fall right back into tyranny, what they felt like under King George III. So this created a clash of principles. One principle was the idea of small republics keep out corruption of factions better than larger republics, even though they never really existed before, with the idea that no central government uh, would create chaos and anarchy, that any country could then just sweep in and conquer the land. So this clash kind of allowed for Madison to get creative, and he suggested something that had never happened before in any form of government, and that was division of powers. It's so common to us today, we don't realize that this was an, a grand experiment that we had never seen before. Separation of powers had occurred in history, especially in the Rome Republic. That is the idea of splitting power within a government body to have different branches, like a legislative, executive, judicial branch. However, there had never been dividing powers between two different government bodies.
like we ended up doing between the federal government and the state government. Out of this was born federalism. And one of the reasons why such a large republic has lasted longer than any republic in human history. The idea being coming back to the same thing from the beginning. Let's not be afraid of the clashing of ideas. We need debate in order for us to be able to throw around our ideas and come up with something new. We have no idea what we're missing when we choose not to debate such a huge topic that is one-sixth of our economy and continues to get worse. I already know that outcome will not be anything near what I want, which is truly a free market insurance. We have never had a free market in healthcare since inception. However, I really am willing to accept working on a way to make something better than what it is today. We cannot be afraid of debate in fear of losing our deeply held belief that might be in clash of somebody else's. We all have the right to try to govern each other when it comes to politics and government. So we, we, we know that there has to be compromise. We know that it's not going to be all what we want. And I hope that moving forward, we don't ever pressure politicians to not debate topics. This is something that, in my opinion, is a good thing. We want to do it. So until the next time, you are too busy to debate.